Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. You're more than welcome to take your seats. Uh, we'll pick up some of these conversations at the end of our service. Uh, it's always great at the end to get something to drink and uh, just hang around until a bit. So I want to tell you guys uh, a quick story. Uh, when I was still uh, a teenager, I was working at a, a paintball range in Centurion called Paintball Village. Anyone know of Paintball Village? Anyone ever played paintball before? Real paintball. I'm not talking about get this and out. Real paintball. Okay? So I was, my, my duties were that I was supposed to marshal these games. In other words, they had like the small structure in the middle of the range that you would climb upon and you would have a 360 view of the entire range of people playing paintball. Now, for me personally, I always found it so funny because there was two main groups of people that you would find at a paintball range. The first group would be some sort of a kid's birthday party. All right? Yeah. Great fun. There's always a lot of fun stuff happening there where kids are there. I used to dread the fact, I was a teenager, but I used to dread it if there was kids' birthday parties because they never listened. You'll tell them, keep your mask on. As soon as the moment the game starts, the mask off. I'm like, you're going to get blinded. It's quite funny to me to watch these kids play because you will find two different types of kids playing paintball. Guaranteed. This is a mo guarantee. You can put a stamp on it. The one kid gets 150 bullets and shoots them all out in the first two minutes without hitting a single person. Right? They'll come running, literally, they come running back. I don't have any more ammo. It's like, sorry, dude, you wasted all your ammo and you never shot anyone. But then there's the second kid, right? He gets 150 bullets, but he does not fire a single shot in that entire game. And you will usually find him underneath some kind of a bush or behind a tire or some barrel hiding, literally sweating behind that barrel with his paintball gun, not firing one shot. Taiki, was that you? Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Awesome. So that was the first group of people that you would definitely encounter at a paintball range. But then the second group of people, these guys did not play paintball. No. They participated in almost to the death fights of aerosol combat. All right? These guys would usually pitch up just when the range is closing, at closing time. All right? Five o'clock, everyone's done. These guys walk in with guns and suits that looks like they got it from an ex-Navy SEAL. All right? And they are ready. They are prepped. Guns are cleaned. They've got all the ammo. They are ready. They've got knives for some reason. We're playing paintball, but they've got knives and ammo packs. And these guys, is also, it's, it's so funny to watch them play because they literally took it like, if you get shot, they also give the emotional reaction of getting shot. So they'll fall on the ground, no! And his buddy, no! And that's literally what happens when these guys, they don't play paintball. They do tactical aerosol combat. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this story is because I think it is such a good illustration of what I just think spiritual warfare looks like in a Christian's life. You'll almost find these guys that, that walk in, and I'm so unsure, and I don't actually know what to do, and I'm just going to hide behind the barrel, or the Christians are just charge, and we're just going to gun for it. I don't care if I hit my friend next to me, I'm just going to go for it. But then you get these guys that are really skilled at what they do. They really understand the game. They know all the boundaries, they know all the prep, they know all the tricks, and they know exactly what they are there to do. Because they know what is waiting for them at the other side of that safety net. 
They know there's a battle waiting for them, right? Okay, cool. I'm just going to make this very clear today. I need ameners. You know what an amener is? Okay, Mandy's got it. Okay, let's see who's got the best amen today. We're going to do this in one minute, all right? Best amen. Amen. Okay, you guys are my ameners for the day. Okay, you cannot drop me for one second. All right. Fantastic. Joe's also a part of it. We're going to spend time in, in the scriptures today, and you can page towards Ephesians. And uh, what's interesting for me is the passage of scripture that we're going to be spending time in today, Paul so clearly answers four questions when he says, what are we fighting? Who are we fighting? How are we fighting? And why? What is at stake? Why are we in this spiritual battle? So today, you guys know we are finishing off our 10-week series. Today is the last day, and I'm actually so happy that I get to preach the last one. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Or thank you, Joe. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But I think what is once again for me, just as, as a reminder of what the book of Ephesians is all about, is you can find in those pages from marriage to salvation to grace to parenthood to being unified, whatever you can think of, you can find it in the book of Ephesians. But the one overarching theme is the theme of God reconciling people to himself and to others. So today, as we dive into the scripture I want us to keep that in mind, almost like as a, as a footnote, saying that every single word that we read today, we understand we are reading from that place, that God has reconciled man and people to himself and one another. All right. Cool. just want to take us back to Ephesians 1, verse 9 to 10, and we did this in the first week as well, and I think just as a, as a start for us today, just to, to remind ourselves once again Ephesians 1 verse 9 to 10 in the CSB, it says from verse 9, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure that He purposed in Christ, as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ for both things in heaven and things on earth in Him. The Ameners has let me down. <laughs> Guys, they were, they were still reading that scripture. So let's dive into chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, and uh, I'm going to spend some time now, and we can read through just from verse 10 to 24, and it's on, the, it's on the board there as well. But if you want to page through it in your own Bible, highlight it, make some notes as we go through this today, you are more than welcome. But let's jump in, Ephesians 6, 10 to 24. It says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast salvation. Or his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Verse 13 For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day. And having prepared everything, to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. 
It's like the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Verse 19, pray also for me, Paul speaking, that the message may be given to me when I open up my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Now this very difficult name in verse 21, Tychicus, uh, I think the closest name to this is Tyche, so I'm just going to call this guy Tyche for today. So Tyche, our dearly beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord. Come on. Tyche, our beloved brother, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I'm sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. And then the last two verses, verse 23 and 24, peace to the brothers and the sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Wow. What a loaded scripture. Don't worry, this is not the last time that we're going to read this. We're actually going to go and work through this verse for verse today. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, this might come as a surprise to some of you, and maybe not at all to others. But what Paul is doing here is he is he's doing three things. When he says, guys, I want to inform you that we are actually at war. But then I want to instruct you on what we are supposed to do as believers in this war. But then thirdly, to invite us, say that, guys, there's something that you need to participate in. There's something for you to discover within this battle. Paul is inviting us, informing, instructing, and inviting. So this is the the battle for for Tswane. The battle for Tswane is a battle that every single Christian in this church and in this city will have to fight together. Amen. This is a battle that every single Christian in this church and in this city will have to fight together. Let's read from from verse 10 as we discover some, some of these answers, what I mentioned in the beginning, for the four questions. What are we fighting? Who are we fighting? Why are we fighting? And how do we fight? So let's jump into verse 10. It says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Now that first word that Paul uses when he says, finally, is referring back to three major actions that took place in the book of Ephesians. The first action was to, to sit in our identity with Jesus. It's our position. He says, number one, understand your position in Christ, what he did for you. I want you to sit. But number two, the second big action in Ephesians is to walk, to walk with one another, to walk with God as we worship and as we work and walk together. But thirdly, Paul now says, finally, I want you to take a stand. The third major action of this book 
is he says, how are we going to posture ourselves in this spiritual battle? So verse 10 again, Paul says, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Now, just in that, just in that first sentence there, there are two major factors at play that might seem kind of like, why are you mentioning this twice? But it's very specifically when Paul says, be strengthened by the Lord, number one, but also by his strength. In other words, Paul is saying that in this battle, you need to understand that you are not going to make it without God. Without God in your life, being the fire in your heart. It's almost like you have to say those words to yourself, I am not going to make it without God. He is my strength. Not only what he does for me, not only the, the, the things that I trust him for and the mountains and the challenges that I lay before him and I trust him for an outcome and a breakthrough, not only for that, but in God himself, he is my strength. And secondly, I find my strength in his strength, in his works. Now, right there in the first verse, we are finding the answer for for who we are fighting and why we need God's strength for this. Because verse 10 and 11 then says, put on the full armor of God so that you could stand against the schemes of the devil. It's making it very clear that the battle that's going on right now, the battle that has been going on since the day of the crucifixion, this battle for the heart and the souls of our people, this battle right here is a battle that is not meant to be over or underestimated. In these first two verses, when it says, who are we dealing with here? What is this fight all about? I want you to understand that this is an accurate estimation, just in those two verses, of ourselves, of what the enemy does, and what God does. In other words, if we underestimate ourselves, it leaves us neutralized and paralyzed. If you underestimate what you can do, you'll feel like, I'm unsure. I don't have confidence for this. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. And it leaves me indecisive. And I, at the end of the day, I'm paralyzed. But also in the same breath, if you overestimate yourself in this battle, <laughs> you will be exposed. You will be found short. You will be found out by the devil saying, if you think that you can take me on, take, a, take spiritual forces on by yourself, he will expose you. You see, in that same sense, underestimating the enemy leaves us blinded. If you think that the devil is just a cartoon character with a red pitchfork and a long red tail and just causing mischief around Twane, just, you know, littering here and there, causing traffic jams. No, guys. Underestimating what the devil does and his strategy will leave you blinded. You will not see when he actually comes, you will, not, you will not see what is actually going around, going on around you. But overestimating the enemy leaves you fearful. Isn't that right? Come on, ameners. How many times do we accredit stuff to the devil if your car doesn't start? Oh, it's the devil. No, I think it's, it's just bad maintenance. Or maybe because you drive a Ford figure. I don't know. I don't know. But I think overestimating the enemy might leave you fearful. Imagine walking out of your house and thinking, I'm now such a victim of what the devil and the demons are up to. 
And every single corner I turn, every single street I walk down to, every single shop I walk into, every single office I walk into, I'm feeling fearful and afraid of there's a spiritual battle and there's demons waiting for me. (laughs) So guys, no, not over or underestimating the devil. But then thirdly, not underestimating God because that leaves us being hopeless. If you underestimate the power of God and what he is busy doing, you will feel hopeless. How many times in the last few years have we picked this up in our country where we feel people are totally hopeless? Saying, I think you are underestimating God. But overestimating God, and that's the last one, can you overestimate God? Yes, I think you can. (laughs) When you overestimate what God is supposed to do and what your role is, if you say that I can just sit back, there's nothing for me to do. This is actually just something between God and the devil And I can just enjoy. I'm just on the boat ride. And we know that he's going to win. And I'm just going to sit here and enjoy the ride. If If you're overestimating what God can do, it leaves you actionless. It leaves you without picking up your role and saying, I fully, once again, I'm just going to summarize this, have an accurate estimation of this battle. There is a battle going on. But God has won. And we have the victory. But it is now our role to enforce and advance from that victory. An accurate estimation of spiritual warfare. Not overestimating ourselves, the devil or God, or underestimating ourselves, the devil or God. In that same verse, as we just read, where it says, taking our armor, taking our full armor from God that is our strength. And we know exactly what God is busy doing, strengthening us so that we can what? Resist, stand against the devil. There's something really interesting just about the word that that is used for the schemes, to resist what the enemy is putting forth. That word schemes is translated as wily or wiles. I don't think it's a word that we use that often, maybe taiki. But have you, if you maybe think about the, the word, the, the wily. Have you, have you seen the cartoon from Looney Tunes, the wily coyote? Huh? Devious scams. You haven't seen the roadrunner, the wily coyote? No one. Okay, well, guys, there is this massive of a gap right here. <laughs> um, I'm just joking. But it's a character that sits and plans the entire day to catch another character off guard, to drop a piano on his head or... You know, paints a big hole against the mountain. And when the, when the roadrunner runs and there's not a really a hole, he runs into the mountain and he just... Oh. See, that is exactly what the, the devil tries and, and do. He, he tries to deceive us, distract us, and divide us. He sits all day and plans to come up with these strategies to divide God's people. To keep them distracted from the victory that God has already obtained. And to deceive them with lies, with hatred. See, that is the only plan of the enemy. So therefore, we're saying, put on the full armor of God. I just want to comment on, on, on the reason for the significance for the full armor. By saying the full armor, I think it implies that you can put on some of the armor, right? <laughs> or you can put on none of the armor. Or you can put on all of the armor, just looking at that picture once again, 
understanding just the context that Paul writes this in, probably soldiers, Roman soldiers standing there amongst them with actual armor on. It's like he's speaking about you, dude. <laughs> they won't every single morning go through the routine to tediously sit down, strap on their guards, put on heavy, loaded, weighted armor just to go to checkers. Or just to go for a jog. Imagine this. You're driving around your neighborhood and there's a guy in a full night suit of armor walking his dog. So how ridiculous is that? So no, I put on this armor because I know that I'm going in to a battle today. And in the same absurdness, of, that's so absurd, a guy walking with fully dressed armor walking his dog. How absurd would it be to look at a battlefield and see someone walk onto that battlefield with their jogging clothes. And everyone else there is in fully suited armor, and he's walking in there, his Nike tackies, short pants, and a t-shirt. I'm going to go jog now. No, you are going to get seriously injured. As you see, putting on this armor for every single soldier, they knew it was a discipline of war. If I am not fully dressed in my armor, I am not fully protected. If I'm not fully equipped, I'm not fully protected. And if I'm not fully protected, I'm not fully ready for war. So when Paul says, put on the full armor of God, he says, be fully protected and be fully ready for war. I just want to read a quote for you guys. It's by a guy named Mark Demas. Once again, I think it's very similar to Taiki's surname, Dimas. It's a different, different Dimas. But he writes in a book also entitled Ethnic Blends. He says, as we see, then in Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 18, Paul is not so much warning individual believers that the devil is out to get you, but rather he is warning the local church that the pursuit of unity is a collective struggle against unseen forces of darkness that will seek to separate us from one another and subvert the gospel's power that is uniquely displayed when diverse believers walk, work, and worship together. Speaking about the battle for Tuane, thank you. Speaking about the battle for Tuane, Knowing that what verse 12 actually gives us, I think is something for us very, very clear. But I think this is one of those moments where if we speak about who are we fighting and what are we fighting, where Paul very intentionally uses words, and I want you to see them this morning as we go through verse 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil and spiritual forces in heaven. See how interesting it is that this is God's battle, but Paul writes, this is our, come and help me, our, our struggle in other words, this is not your battle. This is not your fight. That word struggle is directly translated also as wrestling. It is hand-to-hand combat, rolling on the floor, gripping with your entire body, using your limbs and your legs and grabbing a hold 
and wrestling. What Paul is saying is that, guys, this battle belongs to God, but he has chosen you to enforce this victory, to advance this victory. After every single war that's ever been fought on this globe, if you walk away from a victory and you take steps backward from that victory, you just lay back again and just take a step back and just ignore what the enemy is doing and just go on with your daily lives, what's going to happen? Retaliation. The enemy will come again. He will come and try and rise again. See, what the devil does now, he doesn't come with an army, an aggressive force, and he kicks down your front door because you're a Christian and he grabs you out of bed and he pulls you into the street. No. He comes to distract, deceive, and to divide us because he knows that he cannot take on God again. He cannot take on God again. The victory has been won. So he tries to, with propaganda, put up posters and say, no, the war hasn't been won. Just look at your city. Look at your streets. Look at your crime. Look at the divided people. Do you really think you're winning? And we say, yes, we know we've won. We know it. And we're going to enforce that victory. We're going to stand up and take up full strength that we find in God and in Him we will rise against the plans of the devil and resist them. Amen. See, if the battle for Tswana is not, if it's not a physical war that we fight, but it is a position that we stand into, if the evidence of that victory being advanced, if the evidence in Tswana is our hearts and minds of people being one to God, the fruit, the evidence of that would be what? It would be people united and reconciled with God and with each other. See, that is what Paul writes when he says, guys, I want you to see your role. But I also don't want you to be distracted and to be oblivious to what the actual advancing is in this standing. It is God reconciling people to himself and to us. My heart just got torn apart again in the last, in the last month or so, and I'm sure everyone in this entire room knows about this, but just the incidents and the tragedy that happened in Senegal. And when I, when I first saw a headline on Facebook of a guy that was murdered in a rural farm, the immediate thing in my heart was, God, this is not right. Murder is not right. This is not your plan and your dream and your purpose for anyone, anywhere, to be murdered. I've got a holy discontent with that. Father, we know this, this war, this battle, this struggle is not against flesh and blood. But this is breaking my heart that, that this is happening. And then we all know what happens next is this thing gets so politicized and racially loaded and from this tragedy, from this absolute tragedy of a person being murdered, for whatever reason, whatever color, this tragedy of a person being murdered, another tragedy is born. People divided. 
people divided. I'm watching a live stream video of people in Senegal last week. On the one side, the one people are worshiping God, and on the other side, the another people are worshiping God. But you're standing on the same geographical space being what? Divided. Why is that? Why is that, that people were divided and people were there with hatred and malicious intent and other people were just there to support and other people were just there because I just found myself standing here with my friends and I don't actually know what this is about. Why? I'll tell you why. Because this is a wrestling, a hand-to-hand combat. Not against people, not against a political party, but against evil influences. Evil spiritual forces trying to do what? Deceive us, distract us, and divide us. So what do we do as a church? Do we take steps back? No. We advance. We take steps forward. How do we do that? It's plain and simple. We love people. We pursue people. We stand in the strength of God. We say, God, we are resisting this. See, this is the mission that we are called to as a church, and as a Christian, as a believer here today. So this is not me making political comments or voting for sides or even pointing out errors of people. No. This is me saying that, guys, our battle, our struggle, our combat is not against flesh and blood. And we cannot do this divided. We cannot do this without God. Amen? Amen. We've answered up until now the the questions as to what and who we are fighting in this battle. But I want us to to ask the question, why? Why are we fighting? What is at stake in the battle of Tuane? The end of the series, Ethnic Blends, where we spoke about diversity and being unified and loving people and stepping into our calling and taking up our mission. What is at stake when we walk out of these doors later this morning? I want to take us to Corinthians 5, 16 to 17, if you want to page there in your Bible or just take a picture of it on the screen. But it says, from now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that we now don't know of a worldly perspective. Anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. And see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. I'm going to read it again. He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us. Come on. God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Such strong words. God is making an appeal, and we are pleading on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. This is his plan. This is his purpose. And he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Yes, guys, this is, this is gripping me. What is at stake when we walk out of these doors? People being disconnected from God. People being lost, living in pain, being broken, being suppressed, living with hate in their hearts. People groups being divided. Terrible tragedies going on. Guys, that is at stake. This message of reconciliation is our number one priority. If we stand in a place of victory saying, God, what you've done on that cross as you redeemed us and chosen us and now strengthening us, if we stand in this place of victory, help us advance in this kingdom. Let's take steps forward as we reconcile people to God and to us. I just love how Paul puts this in Romans 12. I'm just going to read it to us, Romans 12, 12 to 21. In the CSB, it says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but instead associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in God's eyes. Jumping to verse 21. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Amen, amen, amen. Do not conquer. Do not be conquered by evil. What is, what is Paul writing when he says this in Ephesians 6? He's saying resist. Do not conquer it. How do we conquer it? With good. How do we advance the kingdom? With good. What is this message that we carry? It's a good message. It's the gospel. It is the good news. Amen. We know what we fight, who we fight, and why we fight. But lastly, how do we actually fight this war? If we're talking about conquering evil with good, how do we actually fight it? Turn to verse 14 again back to Ephesians 6 verse 10. Picking it up from verse 14. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith which you can, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, this is how we fight. We take our stand in the full covering of what God has done for us. And his strength that enables us to resist. This is how we fight. It's a posture thing. You see, just in these, from verse 14 to verse 18, just in that small piece there, there's literally a year worth of sermons. If I had to take every single one of them and look into every single one of them, don't have time for it today unless you guys are fine with not eating lunch. We can stay here. We can do that. I have prepped that sermon if you guys want. Consensus, no, we're not, okay. But what I want to do, what I want to do this morning, guys, is not go into detail on every single one of the illustrations used for the armor, but rather to give us an overview of the completeness 
and the all-powerful and efficient covering that we have. I'm just going to read those words for us once again. As Paul writes and he says, God's truth over our lives, our righteousness in Christ, a sure thing, righteousness in Christ, a gospel message of peace and reconciliation, our faith that we can grab onto to resist every scheme of the devil completely, our assured salvation in the finished work of the cross, and the active and alive, the powerful weapon, which is the Spirit of God, His Word. How, how can we lose in hand-to-hand combat when that is your armor? How do you struggle and lose with that as your strength? See, what Paul does here is he doesn't depict a picture for you to someday obtain. No, he says this is already within your grasp. Believer, if you're sitting here this morning, friend, if you're sitting here this morning, and you don't know what to do in this battle, it is very clear. I mean, Paul says you have got it in your hands. Grab a hold of God. Grab a hold of His strength and walk and sit. This is it. This is how we fight. This is our posture. God's ultimate truth. We know that we are righteous before God. Don't have to walk around with a burden. Don't have to walk around feeling, I'm unsure about my salvation. I don't know. I don't know about my works and my deeds. And sometimes I fall and sometimes I trip. And God, I don't know. Am I good enough? Yes, because I've chosen you. I've said you were good enough. This gospel message of peace and reconciliation, our faith, salvation, the word of God. This is how we fight. In closing, when I said that Paul was informing us about a battle, instructing us on how to fight, but thirdly, inviting us, what I meant by that is what Paul just so so powerfully just displays in his earnest letter where he writes and he concludes this entire letter of Ephesians and he says, pray at all times, verse 18, with every prayer and request, stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for the saints. But he says, pray also for me that the message might be given to me, that I might open up my mouth and speak to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in Christ in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about this as I should. And then that very powerful verse 23 and 24, he says, Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you. Grace be with you all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. What he did right there is perfectly summed up for me in in the 20, 2016 movie, Hacksaw Ridge. Has anyone seen the movie? Brilliant movie. The end of this movie at the last scene, if you don't know what the movie is about, it's about a private in the army that decides to have a very passive approach and that rejects all picking up arms, all guns, all weapons. And he's right there on the battlefield. And people are dying left, right, and center. And there's chaos 
and he doesn't have a gun, and people turn to him and shout at him like, pick up a gun, do your part, you're dying in war. But I think what this guy knew is that although I might be standing on this ridge amongst all these guns and bullets and rubble flying, my battle is not against flesh and blood, and my weapon is not a gun. And what he did on that day saved 75 men without a gun in the middle of battle. And what's crazy for me is if you just watch this clip, at the end of this movie, what one of the generals actually says to him. So just watch this, this final clip as we conclude this time together. Such an amazing moment. And I just, when I saw this again, I just knew that this is exactly what Paul is inviting us to. Saying that guys, in this wrestling, in this battle for Tuane, see the brother and the sister next to you. See their faith. See their struggle. Carry their burden. Because at the end of the day, there's no way that we're walking out on that battlefield alone. No way. What is your delay? Why haven't you gone yet? You should have started this battle 10 minutes ago. I'm not going until my brother and my sister hasn't finished bright with me. Paul says exactly this when he writes. He says, guys, pray with me that I might be bold. Pray with me. Come into my life. Come and pick up this full armor. Stand beside me. And let's together, unified, resist and advance the kingdom. Resist the enemy and advance the kingdom. We're going to go into a time of, of worship this morning and this might seem a bit strange to some of you and you might not be very used to something like this, but I really had this absolute just burden on my heart, this impression in my heart that I'll, although I know it, it is, it's hot in this venue and we've got places to be and stuff to go to today and we've got masks on and social distancing and all of that, I had this massive burden in my heart for us to stand together now and to really seek God and worship Him. And to declare the absolute truth that we know. And my hope, my, my war cry this morning for you is to see the brother and the sister next to you. See their faith. See them worship. Hear their voice. See them lift their arms. Be encouraged by it. Be strengthened by it. Be inspired by it. But let's be unified as we walk out of this place today as a family, as we walk out of this place today saying, God, I'm not doing this alone. There's not a chance. I need you and I need my people. Amen. Where's my ameners? Amen. One more time. Come on, guys. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's worship. Let's seek God in this moment. Come on. Let's worship him. Lift up your voice. Lift up your arms. Let's worship God.